You're with Clement Maniatella. 702. So, we bring in the DA's head of policy now, Matt Cuthbert, um, who is here to take your questions about the DA's manifesto launch and the commitments that they're making. The party launched its manifesto this weekend in Pretoria. They call it a rescue plan for South Africa. You've heard even from the news what they're promising so far. So what questions do you have about the commitments that they're making and uh, their feasibility? Uh, so we're going to speak to Matt and then afterwards I'll bring in uh, EWN politics editor at Sidi Madia for, for some analysis. Matt, thank you so much for making time for us, man. Good morning. Good morning. Very great to be on your show this morning. Looking forward to the conversation and uh, I hope we can come out with something that uh, explains our offer better to voters. I hope so. And I want the voters themselves to be the ones that call in and get clarity um, if there's any that they're seeking based on the commitments that you've made. Um, I'll just pick up you know, some of the main things that I thought had come out um, from there and, and then I'm going to go to to the listeners for their questions. Let's start with the promise to create 2 million jobs. How do you plan on doing that? So I think over the last 30 years, government has failed to meaningfully generate economic growth and that would then lead to job creation. And what we've seen is an increased dependency on the state because there's not economic opportunity for people to be able to pursue. And what we believe is we need to unlock that opportunity for South Africans so they are able to create meaningful work and they are able to actually have lives of dignity. And I think that's why our economic plan and what we intend to do, whether it be reforming labor legislation, making it easier for people to find work, making sure that we have the necessary infrastructure in place, and also at the same time protecting the most vulnerable from extreme poverty, mm-hmm. I think is the only way that we are going to arrive at a position where we can say, okay, we've got a growing economy, we've got people who are actually accessing opportunity, and they are able to build livelihoods and move up the social mobility ladder. And I think that's what diff- that's what it is that differentiates our offer from other political parties. But how do you plan on creating those two million jobs? Sure. So some of the initiatives we focus on, number one being a youth employment opportunity certificate. And ultimately what this entails is you being able to apply for an exemption, particularly in the case of minimum wage, so that you are able to access a job opportunity. You've got a simple choice in South Africa. You could either you know, sit at home or you could get a SRD grant. And we believe we need to enable people to actually access economic opportunity because we've done an internal study and we've proven that even if you receive the SRD grant of 350 rand over a period of 41 years, mm. it would not make up, a, you know, a sort of a reduction on the minimum wage itself if you were able to take up that employment. And critically, the longer that you remain unemployed, the less likely you are to ever be employed. And ultimately, people want to be able to live dignified lives. They want to have access to economic opportunity, and they don't want to be reliant on the state. And we believe that we've got the necessary labor reforms to be able to do that. Some of the other things we've also looked at is making sure that collective wage agreements, which are decided by big business and unions in closed meetings, are not extended to SMMEs who may have different financial circumstances and are also a great driver of employment in this country. We also look at making sure that we can stabilize the public finances and making sure that we are not spending such a vast proportion of our money on servicing debt, but that that money is allocated towards growth generating reforms and public services. And then also looking at how we can have a more competitive industrial and competition policy that allows us to export goods that we are good at producing in South Africa and makes our businesses more mm. viable and profitable. 
And a summary of all of these interventions is going to provide us with an opportunity to generate those 2 million mm-hmm. jobs, which I think is a very circumspect number and one that we're confident we'd be able to deliver on in government. So no more localization policies. No more localization policies. If we see the implementation of master plans under Minister Patel over the last five years or so, all of the industries that have been focused on have declined in employment numbers. We've become less competitive at producing those goods over time, and we are no longer internationally competitive in getting these things out of the country. And import substitution as an idea, localization for that matter, is something that over time not only makes us less competitive, it means that consumers pay more for those goods. And if we're not good at producing it, then we should rather try and import that and focus on exporting things that we are good at producing. And I think there are a number of things that we could focus on in this country that would provide us with more economic value generated than other items which have been presently focused on. You look at steel, mm. you look at, uh, you know, uh, fashion and retail and what has been done there with the master plans. And I think that's really space for us to grow. And I think that the government, the current government's approach is just not being correct. Okay. What's your policy on social grants, uh, like child support grant and, and, and the social relief of distress grant? You, you said that only job seekers should be the ones that get the money. How do you prove that these are people that are looking for a job once you convert this into a job seekers grant? Sure. So if I can come in on your first question, our aim is to raise the child social grant by 250 rand to the food poverty line. And the reason that we've made this call is one of conscience. We understand that we live in a society with extreme poverty and we need to be able to cushion people through a social safety net that allows them to be protected from that poverty. And we fully costed this plan. There's other political parties that come out and said they would offer, you know, exorbitant amounts of money for, for grants. But we know that this is a number that at least give families that little bit more help to be able to protect them from hunger and malnutrition, which has got a, a very detrimental impact, particularly on children and stunting and so on and so forth. In terms of the SRD grant itself, we propose turning it into a job seekers grant. And in effect, what that aims to do is to say, Please go to your Department of Labor, submit the documentation to show that you are applying for a job. Now we understand that 350 Rand doesn't necessarily cover the entire cost, but we must take into account that we are in a very, very tight fiscal spot as a country at this moment in time. And as we generate economic growth and job creation, Mm. we will be able to progressively increase that amount over time so that we ideally end up with a situation where we've got more people in jobs and you're able to provide a more uh, you know, generous social package for those who are unable to get the economic opportunity. How do you fix the energy crisis? So from the energy crisis perspective, I think it's a common knowledge among South Africans and there's a common acceptance that ESCOM has failed us over a long period of time. And ultimately what we've seen with the failure of ESCOM is sort of the privatization of energy in its own. Uh, what we've proposed here is to move towards a model that is focused on green energy that's cleaner, that's more sustainable, particularly in the case of solar and wind. And some of the initiatives which we've rolled out in the Western Cape and some of the municipalities that we run in the Western Cape to actually try and get these renewable energies on board. Some of the measures that we are wanting to include at the national government level is a 75,000 rand once-off solar rebate to help people to install rooftop solar We look at also allowing consumers of electricity to be producers of electricity and sell that excess electricity back to municipalities. And ultimately, the role that ESCOM needs to play in the energy market is as a market operator and a grid operator.
It shouldn't be in the business of power generation. We need to try and get as many producers, whether it be municipal uh, producers, whether that be IPPs on board, so that we can try and bring energy security mm. to this country. It's the single biggest impediment to growth in this country, and it traps us in that 1% low growth trap. And I think it's absolutely essential that we have all hands on deck to get the energy situation under control so that we are able to generate that mm. kind of growth. And I can tell you, sorting out that energy crisis is immediately going to be able to stimulate job creation. And there is definitely a lot of opportunity within the renewable energy space for new jobs to be created that weren't necessarily in existence before and people to transfer their skills working on other electrical infrastructure into these new fields. And that's basically our proposal to end load shedding. Do you have a timeline as to when you would? I saw the EFF said about six months. And what, do you have guys have a timeline? Well, uh, I certainly wish I could be as ambitious saying that we would end it in six months. Mm. We want to try and achieve this within our term of office if we are elected to government later this year. And ultimately, it's going to be a, a very, very tough job that we've got ahead of us. And in a pre-briefing to the launch of our manifesto, what I'd said to a number of the journalists who had asked, you know, sort of what is the framing of your plan? How is it that you, what kind of context have you situated your plan in? And I've said to them, we need to be very realistic about what kind of government we're going into. We're going into a government that's got little money to spend in a government where state institutions have been hollowed out and, you know, service delivery capacity has been diminished over time. Mm. And it's exceptionally important that we build up that capacity over this next five mm. years so that we are able to tangibly deliver on our manifesto. And I think another thing which political parties often miss is the lived reality of a number of South Africans and how we need to create reforms and we need to implement policies that actually allow people to uplift themselves. And I don't think that that's currently the case. And this is what we've set about to try and do. Really set out an alternative that allows people to access opportunity and to live a dignified life. Okay. I'm going to go to the calls in a moment, uh, but just the last question around um, employment equity. You uh, plan on removing racial targets of quotas in the Employment Equity Act. You also plan on scrapping triple BEE. Uh, please explain to our listeners why and, and what kind of scoring system would you go for as a DA government? Sure. So, not with triple BEE. What we propose doing, and it's contained in our economic justice policy, is putting an alternative point system that focuses on addressing the key drivers of poverty and inequality. And some of these things that we look at, and this is in line with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, is ending poverty and hunger, making sure that we have affordable and clean energy, making sure that we generate decent growth as well as decent work, and using the uh, state's public procurement policy to be able to empower communities through this mechanism. And we've introduced a, a private member's bill into Parliament, which speaks to this and how we would go about changing this particular piece of legislation, because we feel that over the last 30 years, whilst noble intent in BEE, it has failed to address the, the economic issue of the vast majority of South Africans and failed to address the historical injustices of the past. And that's why we think it's important that we focus on an alternative one that does not benefit an elite grouping of cadres or, you know, politicians and actually focuses on development in communities and at the same time making sure that we can deliver the kind of services that are necessary for people to be able to develop. On to the EE question, I think that we are quite clear on our principles of non-racialism as a party. We don't believe that race-based policy 
is necessary and effective means to an end. And we believe that through uh, enabling economic environments as well as other measures we listed earlier in our interview, that we would be able to generate growth and that merit would rise to the top regardless of race, regardless of where you come from. And I think that's really the point that we've tried to put across. And I think historically, as the DA, this was a question that we battled with. And I think we have clarity on it now. And we have an understanding that non-racialism, as enshrined in our constitution, is the guiding principle for our policies and our program of action. And that's why we've taken a very strong stance against this. And also the kind of, you know, negative and, shall I say, detrimental consequences that these kinds of policies have had on job creation and actual true empowerment of the vast majority of South Africans. Okay. Muno, you're calling us from Kempton Park. What's your question? Yes. Good morning, Mr. Clement, and good morning to your guests today and the listeners. My question is uh, to the DA. What is your ideology? Are they capitalistic? Are they socialistic or communistic? First question. The second question is, uh, what is the land policy? That is owing to the fact that there are a group of people who are disad- who were formerly disadvantaged and dispossessed of their land. And- mm. Okay, Muno in Kempton Park. Thank you, Matt. Thanks very much. So, thank you for the questions. Firstly, I think in terms of what is our ideology, uh, we are a liberal party, and I would say that we are a liberal party in the centre. We understand that free enterprise, the market, rule of law, democracy are very important things that need to be protected. But at the same time, we are part with a conscience and we understand, particularly in the South African context, that we need to address the historical injustices of the past and we need to understand that there's still much work to be done to make sure that we have a far more equal society and a society in which people are actually able to access opportunity. In terms of our land policy, ours is distinct from, you know, possibly the likes of the EFF that want to make uh, South Africans tenants of the state. We believe in protecting private ownership as enshrined in Section 25 of the Constitution, and we believe that there's the necessary legal space within that provision to provide for effective land reform. We also look at utilizing existing government land for well-located housing opportunities and also making sure that that land that often sits unoccupied and unutilized is actually distributed and reformed for people who most desperately need it. We also look at improving post-settlement support. So we find ourselves in a situation where there's a number of land reform uh, agreements that have gone through, but the state hasn't provided necessary support for people to allow those farms or Mm -hmm. those agricultural operations to actually be profitable and to be able to generate uh, value for their local communities. And we also want to make sure that we prioritize land reform in the budget because there was a, a shocking stat that came out a couple of years ago which said that we spend more money on SAP's VIP unit than we actually do on prioritizing mm-hmm. land reform. And I think it's a, an essential question to answer as a South African policymaker is how do we expand private property rights and ownership of property because property is something that allows you to generate a generational wealth over time and unlocks a lot of other opportunities for yeah. families and individuals. And considering the history that we come from, where people were disempowered from having these kinds of things because of you, discriminatory laws, it's so important that we enable people yeah. with these kinds of mechanisms. I hope that answers the question. Hi, Clement. Uh, I'm very surprised because I had DA saying EFF is their number one enemy and they are not ready to work with 
uh, ANC. So I don't know how will they deal with coalition because if they are not going to be in coalition with ANC or EFF, I don't see any chance of them ruling this country. I think they must work on their coalition policy and at least work with ANC or EFF. Otherwise, they will never rule. Thank you, Peter Machaba from Lezwata. And my question to DA, what is their stance when it comes to age, age restriction? Because this government of ANC, they are talking about 18 to 35. Meanwhile, we've got 74 years old ministers that are falling asleep at the parliament today. What are they saying about that? Yeah, Matt? Oh, fantastic. So maybe to start with the second question first. Uh, and I, I don't think that age should be reflective of the policy choices that we make. I myself am a young person. I'm only 30 years old. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to best represent the views of the youth. And I think it's down to judging the individual as opposed to looking at what it is that describes them, whether that be race, whether that be their age. Mm. However, I do think that there's merit in having a multi-generational point of view. And I think that's in particular in the policy space where you need a grasp of experience, and people who have done this over a long period of time. And at the same time, you need young people to bring in new ideas. And I think you've got to sort of have that kind of balance in the policymaking space and in government so that you're able to better reflect and you're better able to deliver to a wider grouping of people. Uh, If I could please ask Clement just to shortly repeat the first question, if you don't mind. Uh, The first question was about coalitions. Uh, the coalition who said EFF is enemy number one. So, um, and this listener exactly. says there's no way that you are going to, even in the moonshot pact, I suppose that's what he meant, that without the support of other opposition parties like the DA who can bring in those additional numbers you need for a 50% plus one, then you're not going anywhere. Fantastic. So as our, our leader has continuously said, it's important that we try and get as many votes for the Democratic Alliance in this upcoming election, and that happens within the context of the multi-party charter, which we launched last year. Thus far, we've built up significant momentum as an opposition block, and I think that we are seriously challenging for national government, and in particular in the province of Gauteng and in the province of KZN. And we, le- we have learned our lesson in coalitions, particularly after we took a number of municipalities in 2016, and there were sort of informal arrangements with the EFF at the time. And what that ended up doing was meaning that we didn't stick to our values and principles as a party, and we weren't okay. able to deliver on our program of action because we were constantly being extorted by an extractive, and I use coalition partner in inverted commas. Okay. I think in the context of the ANC, uh, this is a question that's often asked to DA leaders, and I think our leader has been quite clear on this. As we've said, our goal is to get the multi-party charter to 50 plus 1 in this particular election. And if that is not the case, then we need to see what cards are drawn for us after the election and go and reach out to the South African public as well as our internal structures mm. to make sure that whatever the governing arrangement or configuration is moving okay. forward is one that's going to be in the interests of South Africa and one which will actually bring about the change that we so desperately need. All right, Matt Cuthbert, uh, the DA's Head of Policy, thank you so much for making time for us. 702. The Clement Mania Taylor Show. Let's walk the talk. Sidi Madia is the politics editor at EWN. How are you, Sidi? 
I'm very good. Um, good or tired? Manifested out, but I'm you still are, standing strong. And you're strong. in Kaiseran this weekend I'm for the I'm going to Kaiseran this weekend. In fact, change starts now. Roger Jardine is also launching today. Yeah, so I'm there were three people there. Are there more people that have <laughs> come it. since? Okay. Everybody's got something to offer and I will try to do my best <laughs> okay. to give that to others. Let's start things. with yeah. the choice for the venue for the Democratic Alliance Manifesto launch. Pretoria. Everybody's moving Kaiseran. They thought Pretoria. What's behind that? Not just Pretoria. The union buildings, mm. the seat of power, the high office. So I thought that was actually a clever move to have a manifesto, not at a stadium. The DA doesn't participate in stadiumology, the contestation of filling up stadiums. That's not mm. who they are. They don't have those kind of numbers. But what I think they did was really clever. You know, it's a statement. It's symbolic. It is aspirational of who they say they want to be come elections 2024 and um, being on the lawns of the union buildings i was there with my colleague alpha ramoswara and alpha was taken back by the statue of madiba in the background embracing all this blue in front of it so from an optics point of view i mean the da knows and understands that an optics point of view i think they hit the ball out the out the park out the mm-hmm. mark they did well um they do time management really well too i think as journalists you're always pleased because oh, absolutely when they say you'll speak at 20 past 12 speak you at know that time. you know so so that's always quite pleasant yeah. but what was interesting for me is they chose pretoria I, I still have to just hop on this very quickly they choose pretoria but they speak really greatly of the western cape example they're also in a coalition that's led by them in pretoria i drove through rubbish strewn streets of pretoria and pretoria didn't come up at all in john's um statement about what leadership they provide mm. in the capital they speak purely purely of western cape and even there they speak about ending water shedding they were speaking when Cape Town was experiencing issues with water, where the water at the time was not up to national standards. They speak about having violent crime. What's the most violent province in our country? Uh, most province. Violent city. Province yeah, that falls under the Western Cape. Yeah, so Gaudis, that says Western that you're failing to do these things that you're promising us, mm. saying these are commitments. You can't deal with them where you are governing at the moment as, as an issue for me. But how practical is are the commitments that they're making? Because... They're talking about structural reforms, and those things are complex. They're challenges that you've got to navigate, political dynamics. Um, Those things take time. How feasible are their commitments? I think it's interesting that you asked Matt Cuthbert about timeframes around the creation of jobs, getting 9 million people out of, 6 million people rather, out of poverty. Mm. Those are not things that you can do with the snap of a finger. The EFF saying they'll deal with load shedding in six months, we all felt was unrealistic. Mm. By and large, some of these might sound simple enough, might sound practical enough, but actually getting down to the work, it'll take a really long time. And as you're saying, that some of these issues are systematic and will take a really long time to deal with them. Um, To decentralize the police is not just an overnight announcement and that's that and I think that's the issue a term of office for me is also not enough to actually eat away the elephant and change some of these Mm. you'll be starting from the bottom within the five years if you are committed to these seven key priorities that they set out Mm. how did um, John C. and Hazen show up as the leader of the DA shame I think we always ask questions around John because there's an issue around the popularity of a leader. Leader mm. must carry the party. Mm. Look, he did the walk. He marched from Church Square with his entire team in the scorching heat of Pretoria. He tried to deliver the speech as best as he can. I think the problem was trying to be um, in- more inclusive or be relatable to everybody. That Dubini Yanga moment took so much away from the speech because this morning when I listened to people, including our colleagues, they were talking about Dubini Yanga. Is it a traditional healer? Is it the moon? Is it in Yanga, the area? Is it a month? So you've lost the people 
or mm-hmm. with an attempt to sound cool and to be relatable. But I don't think he did too badly. I am quite critical of who I think John is on the public stage because of how he's quite emo- he gets he's quite temperamental very often. I think he actually didn't do too badly, minus that one odd thing. Um, what I think they had a, that That's why I don't know. I actually tweeted immediately. I was like, what does Dimilinyanga mean? I'm so confused. Because I was like, that's inciting violence. I thought he's saying kill the traditional healer. Or the month. Or Inyanga the township. <laughs> like, I didn't know what he meant. I mean, I was also just as confused. And that takes away from the actual speech the actual and the speech, content yeah. of yeah. the manifesto. All right. Sidi Madia, thank you so much. We'll chat to you again next week, Monday, after you have returned. Are you coming back Sunday from... I don't even know yet when I'll be back, but I'll be back. You'll find me on Zoom, on the phone, or in okay. the studio, but you'll find me. We'll bring Sidi Madia again on Monday next week after following uh, the ANC. They're launching their manifesto in Kwasi Natal on Saturday. It's 10.32.